We are back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That was Sure Sure with Okinawa. And uh, let's see. Joining us in the second half of the show is writer-musician Doug Hoekstra, and he's standing by right now. Good morning, Doug. Hey, how are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for calling in. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I was uh, really intrigued. You're a musician and you're a writer, and as I mentioned offline, uh, I have a lot of people that that tune in that are creatives and you know it's hard to stay positive in this journey and um what led you to become a writer and a musician well i mean i've i've pretty much done both my whole life um, from the time i was little um you know i mean i i guess i was a musician first actually um and it's a classic story i had an older brother and he turned me on to beatles records and i was like Wow, <laughs> and then one thing led to another, and I started, um, you know, really following that path. But at the same time, I had sort of a parallel path in terms of short story writing and prose writing and nonfiction and things like that. And so I've kind of always done both, honestly. Now you are you're based in uh, Nashville, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. And you have a degree, a master's in education. Yeah. Do you find that? Um, you know, you people say sometimes, like, are you using your degree? But I, <laughs> I laugh at that because I feel like um, we're always using our degree in different ways. And um, what kind of writing did you first start off doing? Well, um, you know, again, probably I was a songwriter first, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be in school and, and doing that, but then I, would, I was a songwriter first. But then I, then I started to do more short story writing, and I got my bachelor's at... at um, uh, in DePaul in Chicago, which is where I grew up, and I took creative writing classes there, and that was my minor, and it was poetry and um, fiction, really, um, and uh, so when I went to get my master's, it was really just going in-depth more on literature, and the good thing about it was, um, and at the time I got my master's, I was gigging heavily and making records and stuff like that. And the good thing about getting it at that time was I sort of had, it, it gave me a break of the insular world of when you're, you're, I mean, it's great to be in that creative world of, of playing music and out there all the time, but then right. I felt like it was a good balance and it was a good break and it also exposed me in a, in a greater level to uh, writers that I had kind of missed along the way and I think I think everything you absorb informs the other whether it's some art you see or something you read or um, you know great film so whether or not it shows up in a song or a story or whatever it, it has that value because it adds to how you look at the world so that's a long way of saying that's really a, a large part of what I got out of my uh, masters honestly mm-hmm. yeah I feel like the the music, musical side of you and your writing side, they just go hand in hand. Ideally, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, and they're different lenses. I mean, a lot of times people will ask me, they'll say, well, well what's one piece and what's another? And it really is kind of intuitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some things that seem to be better expressed in music, even though, you know, my music is pretty um, narrative as well. Um but there's things that you can do with the texture of music and sound, obviously, that add to a certain um, feeling or story. And, and other things, like with the poems in this book, one thing I liked about them is 
it gave me a chance to kind of like leave a lot of space in, in a way. Yes. Um, there's something to the form where I think you can, um, you can write in broad strokes and, um, people can get into that. So, I mean, it's just, it's just different case by case. Yeah. Now tell me about this book, Bothering the Coffee Drinkers, Musical Fiction and Essays. Yes. Well, yeah, that was my first book, and I, I, that was, uh, you know, I had gotten a fair amount of those stories published, and it occurred to me, kind of obviously, that a lot of them had musical backdrops, you know? I mean, whether or not they were, like, about music, um, and so I thought I'd put it together as a collection, and uh, it got an independent publisher award nomination, and it was great, because I... I would do, in my music gigs, I would break the set and do a reading in the middle, and it worked out really well. Nice. But, like, the, the title story is about a guy, you know, back in the day when there were all these, like, borders that you, you could play to, like, fill out your schedule and, and do an afternoon gig. A lot of times you'd go into these gigs and you wouldn't be performing as much as you'd be bothering the coffee drinkers, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so that's kind of the pun on that. But it's really about how the narrator responds to that, who he meets, and those sorts of things. And so, you know, it's not your classic, like, road stories or anything like that. It kind of uses the music um, thing as a backdrop or as a, um, as a, as a setting for, for different characters in different settings. I, I actually asked this question to an earlier guest. Is there a certain... Um routine to your writing certain time of day you're most creative no i would say um i I mean i think i think if you're going to do long form you know it's it's really good for for novels and things like that i guess it's good for anybody to have their their daily writing or their daily schedule but i've always found that um uh it feeds itself so I mean, so a lot of times I'll get, like, you know, I might be out taking a walk and I'll get all these ideas, right? And yeah. um, they'll kind of form in my head. And then I just make a note of it and then sit down and write it later. Yeah. Um, and, and I think a lot of it is being attuned to these things. And, um, and so I think if you always have your radar up, there's always something that seems kind of interesting, and uh, you just make a note of it, and that becomes your process. And then the sooner you can get to formulating that, the, the more productive you are. Yes. Although, again, I think a lot of it happens in your head. I mean, I think ideally the best-case scenarios are when you, uh, when you do that, when you think of, of things before you actually sit down. Um, I always feel like I have my radar on. I'll be in the library, I'll be on a plane, at the gym, and all of a sudden an idea will come to me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's about observation. It's about, I think, looking outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, certain things feed. It seems like if you start, then it's just one thing will roll into the other. And so for the book, the, as, a good, as one example, is, I mean, I had sort of a core set of poems and originally, I thought I, I might just put it together for my son, sort of as a as a gift. Mm-hmm. And then I started to see sort of a shape that came about. And I, I had three different sections of the book that seemed like things were falling into the place. And and then it kind of coalesced. And then I started writing specifically to flush that out. You know, so mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like that. I mean, I, I'm working on a set of new songs right now and I, I wrote the first batch and they said certain themes and that's leading to other things and and one thing fans the next I think once you once you're always in that flow 
do you uh can you throw out your website uh yeah well it's my um wordpress site actually so um <laughs> i don't know what the url is but it's doug hoekstra wordpress and if you google it people can find it there and it has of course stuff on the book and and music and everything fantastic um what are you up to next well, I'm trying to do some readings and things on the book, so that's mm-hmm. primary. Um, and then I have a book of short prose that I'm trying to shop around, and it's everything from flash fiction to longer pieces, and it's called The Ten Seconds in Between. And it's kind of about how um, we're defined by those moments. They say that, like, you know in the first ten seconds whether you uh, connect with somebody. Interesting. Yeah, and so I'm working on that, and then I, for the first time in a long time, I'm starting to do some new music, so I'm demoing that up and thinking about recording some of that this summer. I've got about a dozen tunes or so, and uh, so all those things are percolating right now. I'm, my son's a teenager now, so I have a little more time. So oh, That's good. That's good. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do, because the name of my show is Get the Funk Out, and I'm always fascinated how people take care of themselves when they're in this creative world. Mm. What do you like to do? Yeah, um, I think, you know, I think you have to, I think it's about process. I think you have to remember that, and I think even though you do everything, you know, ideally it's like you're expressing something personal, but you're trying to express it in a way that that people can get themselves into, right? So you don't want to be just all about you. It has to be about that audience. Mm -hmm. So you're always aware of that, and I think think that can... um, that can affect how you create because you may be too concerned about that or not concerned enough. And so I think the thing that to constantly keep thinking about is, is how it's the process. I mean, it's really, I mean, mindfulness has become sort of a, almost a cliche in how people approach it in their lives in a good way. But I think that's very true of your creative process. I think you have to be mindful. I think you have to be aware while you're in that moment. And I think it has to be about that process and constantly refining that piece of art to be the best it can be in and of itself and then it kind of takes care of itself you know right and and then you move on to the next piece and there's a great cliche that says you know good art is never finished it's just abandoned you know meaning you take it to that point and then you go to the next project or the next poem the next story the next painting whatever yeah so i think it i think it helps also helps your your mindset to do that I think it's healthy I think it's hard sometimes for people to know when they're done it is and it's hard to balance that thing about about again about audience I think your audience you know uh, a lot of times when you first start out to do something the the great thing that you have you're not as skilled but you do have that sort of lack of self-awareness in a good way of like um, you know you're just doing it because you're doing it and I think the key is to keep progressing and improving, but not lose that. Definitely. And I think that's, I think the great artists do that. I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. I mean, I think he does that constantly, which I think is why he's so great. And Picasso, I mean, there's a lot of examples you can think of of people who tried, who, who succeeded at doing that. And I do think that's the key. Fantastic. Yeah, who are some of your influences? Well, yeah, Dylan for sure. I mean, um, if, you know, so many music acts, the Kinks, the Beatles, things like that. But Dylan as an artist, too, is hugely influential. I mean, I don't copy him, but in just in terms of his approach and the, the depth of his work. Yes. I get inspired a lot by visual artists. I mean, I just saw this great 
uh, uh, photography exhibit by Darcia Lang here in Nashville that gave me all sorts of ideas um, for things, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Monk, Van Gogh, people like that. A lot of times I get inspired by things that are actually kind of out of the genre. Yes. Um, so I think it's important to expose yourself to all different types of art and creative paths because it will influence you in one way or another if you're open. Right, and it's all expression, and and you can see what you know how the artist you know is the artist succeeding in what the artist is trying to do. Um, I mean, that's really the key of it. And there's something in all of that. And so a lot of times I find my like a music will be influenced by a short story, or you know, a poem will be inspired by a painting I saw or something. Or in addition to experiences, I mean, I, there's a lot of cross genre stuff I'm into. Yes, I mean, somebody asked me about poets, and you know, I read poetry and I study poetry but per se I don't know I mean I like Paul Durkin he's an Irish poet and Ferlinghetti and C.K. Williams and some people like that but again it's it's the same as uh, anything I mean that might inspire something in a different in a different approach Absolutely. or feel well that's a wrap for us unfortunately but let me just give your website one more time it's Doug D-O-U-G sure. last name H-O-E-K S-T-R-A dot wordpress dot com yeah. Well, and thanks for having me. My pleasure. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank All you right. so much. All right. Take, Take care. care. Bye-bye. That was Doug Hoekstra calling in, and if you missed any part of this conversation, it will be up on the show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We'll take a little break, and then I have one more guest calling in. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.